Hello everyone, welcome to Bonus Podcast. I'm the host Natas Rubunas and I'm joined by my inspiring colleague Augustas Shulauskas and also Rita Svishnauskas who is back as well. Yes, I'm happy to be back. Nice to see you guys once again. So, we had a double round week last week with a lot of Eurolig games and we will have a double round week for the podcasts as well because today this is our public pod but on Thursday uh, and Wednesday, sorry, we will have a Q&A session so feel, feel free uh, to ask us anything about basketball or just something from behind the scenes and be original with your questions because we have some gifts for you for BN Plus members which you can actually become uh, going to basketnews.com slash plus and selecting one of our subscription uh, levels. Uh, we will um, have a hoodies or bonus hoodies as a gift for the best question, for the MVP question. As we all know, we have different opinions who is the MVP. It kind of gives us space and freedom to uh, have different criteria these, on these best questions. Uh, but also... Whoever is not a Basket News Plus subscriber yet, uh, you can also uh, get a one-month subscription for the best questions. So be original, think about it, and leave your questions below this video, or we will have the separate uh, post on Twitter, probably Instagram, and on our social media uh, channels. But yeah, let's talk about the last week. A lot of games... Uh, a lot of stuff, but one of the biggest highlights actually happened during during the game, more like an off-court stuff. Panthinaikos made a big move. They signed Dwayne Bacon. Uh, Two-year contract, uh, pretty surprising timing. Eritis was already commentating the game. Monaco Panthinaikos, he was, you know, explaining the situation. Panthinaikos are looking for some uh, signings, looking at position four player, and then Bam, Bacon is joining the team. What was your first reaction? What would be your first observations of this signing? Well, first of all, I'm not really sure um, how are they going to adjust their lineups, their rotations right now. I think Dan Radonich will have a tough task uh, because Wayne Bacon is not an easy player to coach, first of all. And we will see if Radonich is the man to, to handle him. And the other thing is that probably Bacon will play as a four, which we haven't seen that much in Monaco. He played in, in those smaller lineups for, for some stretches, but he, uh, played in the playoffs he, he, he was more or less a small forward, yeah. you could say. And um, this should be a big adjustment. We might see like Derek Williams moving from four to five more often, playing with those smaller lineups, knowing that Papayan is really struggling in the beginning of the season. We see that Gudaitis is a starting center, and then eventually they go with, with Williams and they start switching on defense. Uh, so some players will lose their minutes. Uh, role players like Manzukas, for example, or, or the Kaleidzakis brothers, I think they will have even lesser roles right now because Dwayne Bacon is a... 25-minute player in EuroLeague, and he has the ambition to be the number one guy on, on the roster. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, they do have some talent. They do have uh, some players that are also demanding, let's say. Uh, but I think there are going to be some cuts, probably. Someone should be released. I'm not sure who. We, do you think we, Andrew Andrews We're hearing those released? rumors about Andrew Andrews, mm. but I don't know. I, I think Andrews doesn't have the ball in his hands enough to be effective and to to have some influence in this team so far because he needs the ball. If he's playing off the ball all the time, I don't think he 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 has 
the ability to show his strengths. But anyway, somebody should be cut, in my opinion. Like right now, we're seeing Ponitka playing pretty solid as a, as a point forward, I would say, not a small forward, point forward. But if Bacon is there, Ponitka's role will also be different, probably. He's probably taking his his minutes away. Yeah, some right of now. some of those some, minutes. some of his minutes for sure, because as you mentioned, some of these Greek players that uh, are having bench roles probably are not going to see the court anymore as much if they're not making any cuts. And to me, the whole chatter about uh, Andrew Anders being being cut from the team just doesn't make any sense to cut a guy after four games in in the Euroleague. Uh, I know I agree with what you said that he needs the ball more to be efficient, to be more uh, seen on the court. But in my eyes, he has done a good enough job in these four first games of the Euroleague. You know, he's coming from EuroCup and to va uh, to value the player's efficiency or his how good he is after four games of, of EuroLeague is, is not fair for the player. And uh, yeah, I mean, especially when we're talking about the Euroleague rookie, you cannot forget that fact. You know, it's a big adjustment for uh, for him having these players around. I, I could easily see him, let's say, coming off the bench and having the ball more in his hands. I'm not sure how these lineups will work now with uh, Bacon on the team, but why not to have uh, Andrews, Parishley, Ponitka, Gudaitis, and for example, Kalaidzakis. I mean, Andrews could be a primary ball yeah, handler on that lineup. Uh, by the way, we, we we said Ponitka might lose some of his minutes, but let's not forget Grigonis is also starting a, a, as a three or a two, and his minutes might be affected as well. So far, he hasn't been consistent at all. He had one solid game that was against Vesda, uh, where they took only win so far. And in the other games that they lost, Grigonis was really up and down. And for example, mm. against Monaco, he was in a foul trouble. He couldn't deliver. Uh, a lot of turnovers. A lot of turnovers. In Only game. in the end of the game, he had few layups. But but basically, this was not a good performance. So Grigonis is another player who is kind of under threat of losing some of his minutes because Bacon is, is uh, coming to the team. I think, uh, I mean, also talking about Panathinaikos, just their play, we should not forget that Nate Walters hasn't played and yes. he is, you know, I think he was signed to be the main point guard. He is the main, you know, orchestrator. Yeah. Should Radonich coached him in exactly. and it was successful. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I think now with uh, Bacon and Walters coming back, we should see the real face of Panathinaikos. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but uh, finally we will be able to see what's their fit true image, you know, mm. of Panathinaikos because and up until now they have some new player, a lot of new players, they have uh, some missing spots in the roster to fill and now with Bacon coming in, I think their starting lineup should be Walters, Grigonis, uh, Bacon, Williams and, you know, Goodites. whether and Gudaitis or Papayanis, you know, yeah. with one of those two. So to have Paris Lee, Andrew Andrews, Ponitka and, uh, or Kalaizakis and Ponitka at the four. Bohoridis actually is playing solid minutes so far yeah so if andrew andrews is, go is going to go then uh probably yeah but um i mean this starting lineup looks uh interesting mm. so i would i would love to see some some uh game sample of of how they are going to do no maybe i'm a little bit harsh but knowing that it's panathinaikos uh i don't think that dan radonish is going to last full season <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone before Christmas, honestly. 
But that's they lost a, some close games, yeah, approach, for sure. Actually. But that's Panathinaikos. Yeah, exactly, that's the problem of Panathinaikos because if these rumors about Andrew Andrews is true, we're talking about the player they signed for on one plus one deal, and they're thinking about uh, cutting him in the end of October or even earlier. Now we're questioning the coach who's coming from mm. Serbia after the successful project of Red Star. He has completely new team. He didn't have his main point guard. Then Panathinaikos signed Punitka. Bacon and they're still missing uh, big men who can play both forward and five positions. Yeah. So we're talking about the free signings they had to make during the season and all the players are just still coming to the team. So you cannot question the quality of the team because what kind of quality we're talking about when you have the team in such circumstances? You didn't do anything to help your coach to be in a comfortable situation to get the best results out of it. So, I mean, if at the same time, it wouldn't be surprising if they would go after this move but again, it would be very unfair move by Panthenaikos. But again, since it's Pau, nothing surprises me anymore. This is the club that hired Rick Pitino twice. So you cannot be surprised by anything that, that they do in this organization. <laughs> anyway, this game, Panathinaikos uh, Monaco, was, was a really crazy game. I loved it, really a lot of action. Uh, in the first quarter, it seemed like it's the Berlin scenario all over again where, where Panathinaikos, they were hopeless against Alba and they were down 16 after the first quarter against Monaco, but they managed to come back pretty quickly. They went to the locker room uh, being down by only six and in the third quarter, Derek Williams played the quarter of his life. I think this is something he, he should be telling his grandchildren after 30 <laughs> years. Uh, like, remember that time in Oaka? when I was shooting the lights out and I couldn't miss and I was doing all these two small signs. <laughs> See, what is Oaka? What are you talking about, Dad? Ah, you're too young. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, and they were in a good position, but Monaco responded perfectly. And I think in the fourth quarter, Mike James just showed his quality and even Sasha Bradovich in his um, TV interview where, where um, he always says this phrase like, uh look you know what the, what is the word he says you all know, the time I think you know you know, you you know, know it's like every you know it's like you know it's word. like and he just finished by saying and you know in the end it's like mike james is extra quality you know did you notice how everybody cheers up when doran patel is uh, making these year league interviews well she's the best there, uh, the questions from her are always always very solid because she has basketball knowledge and competence so this makes the interview smooth and and for the coaches and for the players it's very easy to respond when you feel that the person questioning you knows what he's talking about so uh or she's talking about in this case uh, but talking about the interviews and phrases another thing stuck in my head from this game actually was the highlight of the game for me since in euroleague we have the privilege to see some of the timeouts um and that was a full time of the monaco broadcasted and it started with mike james being very unhappy he had plenty to say to his teammates and he just shouted post me the fuck up man i'm just playing there for no purpose man just post me the fuck up after the timeout they go back on the court two possessions in a row he is posting paris lee and and he gets two two buckets in a row and Paris Lee had a nightmare against his former teammate. Really, we saw some interesting matchups in this game, like uh, Mike James and Andrew Andrews. They're both from Portland, Oregon. They're good buddies. And Paris Lee, a former teammate in Monaco, he was guarding Mike, and he just couldn't do anything. I mean, he was suffering 
all the time. Mike James was very aggressive, uh, especially in the second half. So it was a good game, but again, another close game that Panathinaikos lost. They lost by three, just like they lost in the opening night uh, uh, against Real Madrid. But that's another kind of factor which makes us believe that Panathinaikos might improve. I mean, three of their four games, they were close. Uh, they were they yep. could have won against Real Madrid. Okay, Monaco had, you know, had kind of an advantage, but they at were least the better team actually. Well, that's what, well, yeah, that's true. That's uh, that's obvious. But that's what I like about Panacos. They have, especially Panacos players, they have all the reasons to lose the hope about their coach, who barely speaks English. I mean, these timeouts they're really painful uh, to our errors. But uh, you can see how players react in this situation. I mean, you could you could easily have the situation where players there's a from their body language you could understand that they also feel uncomfortable unhappy and it's kind of on oh no we have to have this situation on tv uh, as well but you hear Marius Grigones saying something you know trying to help his coach when you have these pauses you know during the timeouts some other players are trying to inspire others so that's what i like it's it doesn't feel like the locker room is also lost and there's no chemistry between the players i think that there's a pretty good chemistry and uh, knowing the circumstances uh, they are going through so that's some that's some hope uh, for the future especially with these uh, signings players coming back i mean mm. uh i don't know how you guys feel about you know signing Bacon after what Radonjic said. Basically, five days uh, later, they're signing Bacon when he said that he's not that type of player they were looking for. But it's kind of obvious that they decided to go for scoring rather for d defensive versatility for the five position or stretch who could stretch the floor from the fourth position. Uh, and they were for sure they will improve offensively. Okay, they had struggles. They scored for 52 points against Olympiacos. They had their first 80-point game against Monaco. Uh, they have 15th uh, best uh, offensive uh, rating. Uh, they have poor shooting. That's okay. But with Bacon, with Nate Walters uh, coming back, uh, with some other uh, possible adjustments, they should improve uh, in this area. It still looks like a random team to me. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, I, 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 don't, hope, I don't believe I in them. I just hope that there will be one more addition during the season, the season, especially in the front line, and I just hope that they will bring uh, Dinos Mitoglou uh, from under the table as a possible solution for the, for this gap they have Isn't in the Isn't he under line. the contract with Milano? Uh, I think he's dealing with this doping situation. Mm. I don't see him coming back to Milan. Uh, after okay. what happened, there's still no decision for how long he will be banned. But just imagine the scenario where he's cutting the contract with Milan. He's able to play because he already didn't play like for six months. So if the punishment mm -hmm. was that, oh, you're banned to play six months, he already, you know, did it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he would join the Greek team uh, for his mm -hmm. return. But just don't don't you think it's a bit desperate uh, signing of Pau and uh, when uh, your head coach uh, five days ago tells that Dwayne Bacon is not the type of player we are looking for. And five days later, during the game, which was also very strange to me, you know, you're announcing, uh, you're announcing a new player during the game. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I don't know for me at least. And uh, you signed a player that basically the head coach said that we don't want him. We want a different type of player. But I think that loss to Alba, and uh, you know, just the way they lost and the way they look on offense, they really needed the first scoring option and Dwayne Bacon is coming to do just that for, for, for that team. Uh, to me, what stands out watching 
Panathinaikos is uh, they, their defense is is pretty okay. Uh, I would say you know Radonic is there to make them a good defensive team, but offensively they're just passing the ball too much in in some of the possessions around the three point line, and then in the end someone is trying to make something happen. You know this is why they're in the bottom in true shooting percentages uh, in all the uh, you know two pointers, three pointers everywhere, and you know. I don't think you know Dwayne Bacon is improving the passing quality of oh, the no. team, or you but, will but, have even more static. But offense. but he is the guy who is able to you know when the when there is when there are five seconds left on the shot clock, you know the ball is in his hands. He will create something for himself and mm -hmm. make the shot. So if they're going to play that type of offense, you know, like Nate Walters did last year for Cervena Zvezda, he they barely created something from a te team's team's offense but when he had the ball with five six seconds left he was just playing one-on-one -on -one and scoring these floaters or kicking out passes uh to the corners just to you know catch and shoot catch and shoot jump shots which, which is not bad option you know it's better mm -hmm. than a step back uh three-pointer at the end of the shot clock so well i agree with you that it's kind of a desperate signing you could say a panic buy um Either way, they needed to add some quality to the roster. So exactly. Wayne Bacon is probably better than nothing. It it oh, just for sure. Power station probably you always go for signing like that. Yeah, it's just up to the coach how he's gonna handle it. Uh, but the funny thing is that for the first time in my life, I saw a player publicly offering his services to the club because Dwayne Bacon tweeted or or was it on Instagram I think that it was that he's taken out of the context I think that uh, there was a Greek journalist who texted him on Instagram and he okay. kind of asked something oh, if you would like to come to Panaikos and something like that and he, of course and he said yes, that he's a free agent that, and that you know it, it made the headlines later uh, somehow he kind of denied it but later he also deleted his own uh, Instagram yeah. story so and one week later he signed, and one week later he signed for power maybe power didn't have him in their radar but once the story uh broke loose they thought oh my god Wayne Bacon wants to play for Panathinaikos let's let's <laughs> let's go for it yeah anyway I I think that um that's a big job for Dan Radonich to manage this team and and to find some balance and chemistry but yeah we'll, we'll see what happens although he's amazing scorer um he could actually if he would do something with his off-the-court issues he definitely had because if that didn't happen he wouldn't play in Europe first of all then he had some remarkable time in Monaco uh, I would say and there's a reason why a lot of teams were questioning uh, his signing uh, I just hope that he did you know smart conclusions let's see people some people think that he did some conclusions and let's hope he will show it in Athens although it's a very dangerous yeah, city you mean, really, you mean he changed life. you mean some conclusions you he changed his attitude what do you mean yeah yeah okay basically that the approach uh, on a lot of things uh in the team and outside uh, the court because if he you know uh did that i mean talent wise he's just amazing he could be really number one scorer in the whole uh your league if mm -hmm. he wouldn't be problematic off the court so it's a gonna be good second chance uh for him on the your league level what i would also add that Adding bacon doesn't solve your uh, issues. I just checked some stats, stats randomly, and for example, Monaco situation last year, uh, before signing bacon, Monaco was the 11th best by offensive rating in the EuroLeague, 15th in the true shooting percentage. Bacon came, 
we remember that Mitrovic was still the head coach. Their offensive rating improved just by one position to 10th and through shooting percentage. Okay, they had a bigger increase to 11th position, but the biggest adjustment happened when Sasha Bradovic came to the team. I mean, these numbers are ridiculous. First best offensive rating at first best three shooting percentage. So it's not just about Bacon. Radonjic will have to make some smart moves to utilize uh, Bacon's strengths. Bacon or the, no Bacon, this team is not a playoff contender. I mean, they're making signings to at least to be competitive, uh, to be competitive, and to try to get there. But usually, if you if you're thinking about the playoffs or maybe even having a slight opportunity to go to the final four, you need to do a good job in the summer to build a good team. And sure. trying to fix some of your mistakes in October or November, I think it's a bit too late, and you will not have enough time to build a team and build a chemistry. And mm. I don't see Pau being playoff contenders um, this season. I mean, in our predictions and power rankings preseason, I had them like 14th or 15th. Mm. I wouldn't say that their stocks increased in my eyes right now. But again, they're not playing hopeless basketball apart yeah, from yeah. that game no, in no, Berlin. No. In other games, they were competitive. I would give more time to Radonjic. It's just my feeling that probably if he loses one or two more games, he might be out. By the way, regarding this Radonjic press conference, I, my first reaction was like, oh my God, the club is like going against the coach decision. I mean, maybe Radonjic didn't really consider Bacon because he needed a foreman, but club decided to go after the big name to improve, let's say, scoring, which is the first uh, thing comes to your mind when you uh, watch the scoreboard. And I think that it was gross, especially reading these rumors about Andrew Andrews. But from what I understood, Radonjic didn't have, let's say, the last word in building the uh, roster, which is kind of okay, I think, because he is not known as the coach who really builds the roster well. I mean, he needs the help, and it doesn't say anything bad about the coach. Some coaches are at their best when they have some full roster completed and they, you know, maximize their uh, potential. Some of the coaches are not as creative uh, to build a team on their own. So, but you could see how awkward the press conference, the post-game press conference, was when 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 Radonjic was asked about Bacon and. He, he just couldn't respond properly and he was looking, yeah, we signed Bacon. Yeah, it that's true, really but I awkward. think it mostly it's because he doesn't feel comfortable with the with English language, <sighs> maybe, first and foremost. Maybe. So, you know, so it's, it's hard to express himself in that yeah. language. Maybe in Serbian it will be easier for him. Do you think that Derek Williams will ever play a better quarter than he did? I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, and those shots, some of those shots that went in, where like uh, these two, two bounces of the one bounce yeah. of the rim to the backboard, and then gets in and. But he's, the three pointers were pure buckets. The three pointers, yeah, but just the it adds to the point actually that I made about their offense. You know, he made some really tough shots. Had a sixteen point quarter. Sixteen point quarter, but I he made eighteen maybe, maybe eighteen, what? and sixteen in a row, which is I think it Something might like be that. one of the best uh, results or stretches we've ever saw. I actually asked our colleague Darius Garwales, who is like a stat freak, to, to check if there was any Euroleague player who scored okay. more points, consecutive points, in one stretch. No, but just him making these tough shots and there were two defensive errors by Monaco. That You know, it's not like Panathinaikos were actually looking for some special situations, you know, to get some easy points. It was all either Monaco's defensive mistakes, like 
they're coming to help when the help is not needed and they're leaving, you know, the man who is hot. And uh, just Williams showing off his offensive greatness, you know, for, for a couple of possessions in a row, for actually a couple minutes in a row. But I don't think these shots are, you know, if you had to bet... In it, the long run, I agree. Do you think he's making the same shots two or three games in a row? In the long run, probably not. Although, Williams himself said that in the summer during the offseason, he really worked a lot with his mm -hmm. jump shot to improve his three-point shooting. And... I think we we're seeing some of of some of the results uh, mm -hmm. that he became a better spot up shooter. Oh yeah, I mean he looks more I don't know maybe confident with his shot. No, he never lacked confidence. No, let's say, but, but I don't know. He's just uh, the the jump shooting mechanic and just the shooting the form is more consistent right now. I would mm -hmm. say. So so that that adds to me a little bit more optimism mm -hmm. about his shots. But just in that run, it was also some really lucky and tough shots made. And you just can't, not just against Derek Williams, but to any player saying that, okay, these shots are going to get go in every game, is you are not expecting that. So mm. Mm, it was just beautiful to watch, you know, these uh, offensive outbursts to me are always super exciting and super nice to, to see, you know, when a player gets so hot, he's making, he's enjoying the game, but um, I'm not, you know, you can't expect that to, to happen in each game. For sure. How beautiful the game of Olympiacos and Real Madrid was uh, for you. Best guys. game of the season so far, I think. Or Alba FS. Uh, to me, still uh, Real Madrid Olympiacos. No, no, there was there was more quality, more more. Except from the very last possession, when Real Madrid has the chance to win the game, and their final play is inbounding the oh, ball to weird. Eddie Tavares to make a left-handed hook shot over Mustafa Fall. There were a lot of <laughs> questions. First of all. Don't forget the fact that uh, they tried. I mean, they had six players on the court at first after the timeout. Yes. If you if you notice, mm -hmm. yes, which actually already tells that something you know was wrong with the communication. It's a technical foul, actually. Uh, when you start the, the play, probably not before the play. If you step on the court after the timeout with six players, the refs can easily give, can you, easily a give you a technical foul. Yeah, but foul. usually they're helping coaches. The same happened with Virtus uh, and I Jardis. mean, I know that the referees didn't yeah. want to decide the game. Sure, sure, sure. So and, they were, and that's a good decision in yes. my eyes, yeah. you know, but they just politely noticed that, guys, you have six players, so please remove one of them. Uh, but yeah, the, the the last possession was terrible for Real Madrid. And obviously, obviously um, they don't have Slukas. But, but I <laughs> this think that's a big the, advantage to Olympiacos playing those crunch minutes. Don't you think the primary idea was to um, make an alley pass to Gabriel Deck? I don't know, maybe Augusto did was the breakdown of that play. Because if you saw, I mean, Sergio Yui made a crazy screen. He screened two players. I am not sure how legal it was because I saw a lot of elbows, a lot of contact, but it felt like he made a screen for Deck to have this. Uh, how would you go for alley an alley oop with three seconds on the clock? I have no clue. I mean, that's, and no, I mean, it's not a bad idea, you know, to get an easy shot, you know, if you, if you can, but they were going for, like, to me, what it seems like, they were going for alley-oop, but the spacing were not okay, because there was one guy in behind, so if you throw the, the lob, crowded. if you throw the lob, there is, this guy is coming to probably tip the ball away, and uh, then also, I mean, just the spacing were, in, in that play, to me, was, was not, was not right, and, uh, because it was uh, clear that passing to Tavares was not a primary option. No I mean, way in hell. No way in hell. I mean, usually, yeah. yeah, usually you have like three or four options in the last play, and uh, 
mm, if no, if nothing worse, then you get it to the big guy, and and then okay, let's. This is our mm. last option. So, but talking about the whole game, once again, we saw the greatness of Sasha Vizenkov and his off-ball movement. This should be like an educational uh material for young players how you need to play basketball all the fundamentals how you need Amazing. to be effective off the ball it was really crazy how good he is right now and he was outplaying Yabusele in my opinion although that, Yabusele had good numbers he, he had good numbers but the, the amount of times he lost Vizenkov yes, on defense exactly. off the ball I I don't know I saw at least four or five times and he scored immediately like Yabusele is just standing around Vizenkov is already three meters behind him just not seeing and it was one of those games where you see okay uh you know Yabuzeli's off-ball defense needs to improve his concentration he's sure. he was caught looking at the ball for like and then the greatness of Costas Lucas in the fourth quarter uh once again we had Yanulis Lorenzakis bursting with confidence he's becoming the best fourth quarter player in the whole league not only in his own team and uh, he actually is I mean I checked the stats. Right now, he's he the is. best scorer in the four yep, quarters. Exactly. Uh, I think that he is averaging 8.3 games on 97 through shooting percentage. Wow. <laughs> it's just unreal. Lucas goes second, Mike James third, Marcus Howard fourth, and Wade Baldwin five, fifth. So it's just. Larry's the legend. I'm going to repeat it. Stop every saying Larry legend. Time. This should not be mentioned. But he's legendary and he was Yeah, not but you're legendary. saying Larry legend. Do you do realize that you're saying Larry know, legend? I'm just, you know, teasing you, just... you guys. And it was not only about scoring in that game. I mean, <laughs> he made this three-pointer like actually, you know, as if he was a Dwayne Bacon. He saw that, you know, shot clock is expiring. He made some steps behind the arc and he threw the three-pointer in some, some yeah. Real Madrid f defender's uh, face. Then he had a great defensive moment with Joel Bolomboy. Uh, they just, uh, uh, there was some baseline drive and they made a great double team. And then he boxed out Walter Tavares to clear a path uh, for easy shot for Costas Lucas. I mean, yeah, he did a spectacular place. Again, Shaq Makisic was another player that really stepped up in this game. He gave a lot of energy to his team. Bolomboy stepped up in the fourth quarter because up until the fourth quarter, they really only had foul at center position. Mm -hmm. Tariq Black just couldn't perform. Bolomboy was also struggling a little bit. Um, Bolomboy played only three minutes in the first three quarters and he finished the fourth with yep. eight or nine points, something like that. And but this is crucial. This is also what, remember guys, what we talked about in previous pod, Pods that we said, okay, this is not the game uh, for Mustafa Fall in the first couple of games. And now you have him against Real Madrid, against Eddie Tavares. And you know, other new signings are maybe, it was not a game for them, but you have when you have three centers, different centers, it's just such a luxury to have. And, and he uses them, Barsocas rotates them so well. I mean, Bolomboy played almost the entire fourth quarter and what good thing he did that he puts a mm. uh, foul in the last position uh, to just stop the possible Tavares uh, layup inside the paint. Another interesting thing is that you would expect Olympiacos to win these type of games, uh, the EuroLeague classics like against Real Madrid through their defense, but I would say they won it through their offense. They didn't stop Madrid's mm -hmm. ball movement. They couldn't stop uh, Sergio Rodriguez from assisting his teammates in very easy situations, especially in the first half. Even Sergio, you, both of these legendary guards for Madrid, they had pretty easy games to, to find some points and assists. And I wouldn't say that Olympiacos showed their elite defense in this, in this game, but they won it through the offense and through 
smart basketball. Uh, similar story was in in Vitoria in, against Basconia. Again, they were not defending very very well, but they managed to win the game, a high scoring game. And you could hear in Madrid even Vezenkov was saying that, and Barzokas was saying that that we should be much better defensively. It's good that we won this game, but we should be much better defensively. And you can you can easily say that yes, they have a lot of defensive potential to be much better mm. because last season they probably had the best defensive rating in the league or they were second or third, something like that. I think like they that. were like top three in, in both categories. Yes, both and, 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 and defense, right now... Probably the most complete Right complete now they're winning league. high scoring games mm. because they just they're have, just outscoring their opponents. It was... They were scoring against Tavares just so easily, you know. they, they It was a, an accent on the game, you know. We're going to attack him on every possession when he, when he is on the court. And basically they scored almost on every possession, mm. you know, whenever attacking him. And simply the off-ball movement from Vizenkov and the pick-and-roll against Tavares. And there there you go is your offense. Yeah. And, you know, when you have Kostas Lucas at the end, he knows when it, all where, where the teammates are, where someone is cutting. Uh, if you need a mid-range shot, I'm going to make it. If you need a last-second shot, you also... How many game-winning... I, I, I know there is probably not a statistic for this in the EuroLeague, but... He probably has the most uh, game deciding, you know, shots in the, in the last seasons. I so think. I think the top three of the most clutch Euroleague players in the last decade should be Spanulis, Yui, and Slukas. Exactly. Mm. Actually, Yui was clutch as well. Fourteen points in four quarter. I thought that it's gonna be the night of Sergio Yui. I mean, the guy turns thirty-five uh, in in few weeks, but he was so solid in the in the four quarter. And you know, I keep. Let's say underestimating him. I always think that this is it. This is the last season. This is the last month for Sergio Yuin playing effective basketball. He was he was amazing for Real Madrid. But of course, when you have Costas Lucas, it was just a great matchup to watch because both of these guards were were just amazing. Well, Real Madrid found Musa also. He had a good shooting night. But once again, you see Mario Hazonia not in his rhythm, and. There's a lot of question marks about that. I think and he played only six minutes against Basconia yeah, yesterday. So do you think guys like Chus Mateo is already in trouble, like under pressure because he's mismanaging the team? They lost, by the way, uh, to Basconia mm -hmm. yesterday. Yesterday. So do you think like he's under pressure already? I don't know. Uh, to me, what I what I saw from these, uh, let's say, Euroleague losses is the you know the Janan Musa Maria Hazonia situation. Um, Musa is playing well, but against Olympiakos, he played only 15 minutes. I'm not, you know, I don't know how happy he was about that. You know, he made two free pointers and he was subbed after a couple of minutes and, after not and getting. Cozier played his minutes. Yeah, after not getting the ball that much after that, he that he didn't seem that happy uh, when he was when he was leaving the court. Sure. I could be uh, I could be wrong. Obviously, you know, it could be just his uh, facial expression there, but. His uh, facial expression after this foul call on uh, Kozer against Lucas fighting for the rebound was... It should make memes, I think. Did you, did you uh, see no, the no, face no, I of Musa? Noticed my that. God, my God. You should re-watch that, that <laughs> call. Anyway, you want to continue? It's just, you know, and then Mario Hezonia playing 15 minutes, not really finding his rhythm. Uh, you know, this is what we talked about before, you know, how these superstar star players are going to handle the limited minutes and um, and the subs that and the touches you know on, on that team is just so many players that want the ball that are good with the ball and um, you know them losing is not going to help just Chus Mateo and obviously some of his mm, let's say 
decisions yeah. uh, at the game against Olympiacos was also, you know, but, remember but, but, they you know, started the game against Barcelona and Satoransky posting up every position. Exactly, but uh, but but that's also you know like we said, Andrew Andrews is the first year player in the Euroleague. Chus Mateo is also okay. He was the assistant all the time, but uh, for him, it's again a head coaching job after a long period of being an assistant coach. So he also needs some time to to feel how to be a head coach. And these teams, I think that in general should have a privilege to be patient. I mean, they have. Every, everything. Basically, they have a lot of talent. They just need time uh, to find out some places, some sweet spots, some situations for players like Yazonia Musa already found his uh, spot uh, but you on know, the roster, which is if, awesome. But If you're not good with managing personalities, then it's not going to work out. It's not like we're but talking about... It takes time, no? Don't you think so? Basketball process takes time. Building chemistry takes time. But if you as a head coach, are not handling the personalities in the locker room, with time, it only gets worse. It doesn't get better. Like with Zvezda Mitrovic in Monaco, do you think they should have waited one more month? Yeah, but do you see any signs of that happening? in Madrid? A little bit. I, can, I cannot see Hezonia and Musa being very happy about their minutes and their roles, especially Hezonia. I think Musa should be very happy about his situation. I think that he's the top scorer of Real Madrid so far. Of Okay, the amount of minutes is questionable, but... I know maybe this is some, let's say, particular situation with, with that game. His only situation is different, but, you know, his type of player that I'm requires saying, some adjustments. I'm just saying if they continue to lose games, those bigger games, let's say, not only in the EuroLeague, but also in the ACB, and some players will be unhappy, who knows what, what might happen. Actually, what I like is that all of a sudden they found themselves a new Anthony Randolph. The only difference is that he's <laughs> right-handed. I'm talking about Petr Corneli. Oh, yeah. He just looks like Anthony Randolph, actually, and he's always in those same corner-free corner, corner free positions. Like, uh, and, and so far, he's been hitting the shots, and he played some extended minutes, actually. Yabusele was kept on the bench for a while because Corneli was there uh, making shots. He is so far 78% from two and 50% from three. Because when he signed, I haven't seen him in Europe for a long time in the NBA, he barely played. I didn't know what to expect. Like, is he a sender? Is he a stretch for? What can he offer to this team? They were very careful by signing only a one-year contract. Mm. But if he keeps performing like this, uh, who knows? He might get a contract extension. Yeah, by, by the NBA scouts uh, who work in Europe, he was considered as a very solid uh, reinforcement for Real Madrid. Mm. I had some questions just as you. I mean... What I didn't know what to expect. The best, yeah. I, I didn't, didn't see him for a while. I mean, how he can fit this team, and we saw in the beginning of the season that he was like DNP for for quite some time, mm. uh, but now he's he's really progressing. And I believe that you know, I don't know, I don't know what you guys think, but I believe the Shadows would like to have him instead of Oscar da Silva, for example. Kind of, they have kind of some similar things, and Shadows also likes well, the Silva. Bigs who the can Silva is the more more physical, but so far. It's hard to say what what he does for Barcelona. Like I'm not sure right now. Uh, what, of what, course, it's a project. Let's say Cornelia is already uh, let's say formed uh, player. He's way more experienced. Mm. Yeah. So not only I'm not sure if it's fair to say that they're having tough time. Of course, it's very unusual to see the standings where you can see Real Madrid being in the ninth position, FS eighth, then Alba Berlin third, Basconia fourth. Uh, Virtus 15th, Bayern 17th. It's that time of the year when you have only four games uh, into uh, season. 
but also let's talk about Virtus Bologna. Um, I don't want to yeah. talk about. <laughs> They're I've, terrible. <laughs> you, you, you both saw them in the playoffs. I also saw them in the top 10. Of course, we had some questions, but probably the start of the season for them, for the EuroCup champions, a little bit surprised as all, well, right? In a negative for way. For sure. I mean, just uh, looking at the last game against Partizan, just let's start from defense. There's so many miscommunications defensively. Partizan taking open shots and... Uh, uh, not being reactive enough, let's say, on defense and then offensively. I don't know. To me, they're another team that are missing, uh, you know, a really good creative guard. And uh, they have a lot of these guards, but uh, they are not creating as much opportunities as one would have expected before the season. And the one guy who is the most creative one is then let's say a bit of liability on the defensive not a edge. bit of not a bit let's say yeah <laughs> he so is respectful. yeah i'm respectful for for legends you know <laughs> but uh they are just playing this offense that uh revolves again around the three point line and then mm, you know they're missing some a center that Milutinov would have been a great one mm. uh low post presence so I mean, their offense is really painful to watch painful. to me so far. Their worst offensive rating, their worst at three-point shooting, worst at three shooting percentage, and 17th by turnover percentage. So far, hitting 70-point mark seems like impossible task for them. They have this one win, but it was a super low-scoring game against Bayern Munich. Although, I have to say, they should have won in Kaunas. Mm. But it's just that the dosage happened in the <laughs> in the last seconds of the game. But actually, with him in the lineup uh, against Jalgiris, switch all defense. Uh, to me, it was more uh, energetic because he was actually the only guy who was trying to attack from the perimeter. Yeah, all the other guys were uh, were trying to throw uh, trying to throw passes to the to the low post and trying to uh, you know take the advantage there. But it was like. Why is no one attacking the big guy from the perimeter? I know Jalgiris' big guys are mobile, know, solid, you yeah. know, and mobile on that. But you know, if Milos, Milos Cheldosic can beat them, or you know, shooting three pointers, step back, something, you know, drive and kick out, it was just simply, you know, passing around and looking inside. I agree, but he burned three possessions in the last minute. Yeah, in like, the last in the last minute, he was. Uh, I, I was talking about it a little bit yeah. before, but yeah. the last the last minute was. Like uh, <laughs> a rushed long distance shot with six seconds on the clock, yeah. then a turnover against Cavarius Hayes Cavarius off Hayes. the switch, and then the inbound pass, which was also a turnover. So Milos Teodosic when was, was Milos responsible Teodosic, for these three mistakes. When Milos Teodosic is your primary option to decide the game, so you're already uh, in trouble. And I mean, there are so many things. To say, as you mentioned, they have like five players who can play a point guard position, but at the same time, you're kind of not sure who is the best guard uh, so far on their team. You kind of think that it's Ife Lundberg, but I mean, I think that Ife Lundberg, they kind of got him as a star guard for the team, but I'm not sure if Ife Lundberg so far proved that he belongs to elite tire uh, tier of mm. of guards who can lead the team to the top eight or to make it let's say competitive for some final four consideration and i just see so many players 
who might be on a different agenda. For example, I had this interview with Nicolo, Nico Mannion, and you listen to the guy, and you remember that he was so successful with the Italy national team uh, last year uh, with the qualifications, Olympic qualifications in, in Tokyo uh, as well. And he says that he wants everything now. He wants to play, he wants to score, he wants to be important. And he's fifth guy uh, on the guards rotation. Then you have Isaiah Cordinia, for example. He's coming from... Uh, French experience at first, he had some NBA ambitions, and of course he has his own goals, then there's Milos Teodosic, who still wants to be the one of the main guys of the team, there's Danny Hackett, Hackett who is getting older, Ethan Lundberg, I mean, I just see... Bellinelli. Bellinelli. Uh, Bellinelli yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I love Bellinelli so much, I'm a big fan of his, but there's nothing left in those legs, I'm sorry. I mean... He, has, just, to, he has to take such a hard shots uh, by now that... Uh, he just cannot escape the defender anymore. Why he was elite is because of his off-the-ball movement, all these mm. coming off staggers, hitting freeze. And, uh, and they're, they're doing that, you know, when he's coming uh, off the bench, they're playing through him. Yes. At least trying to play through like him. Like I said, there's not enough in he, these legs he for, seems, for the EuroLeague. He seems to not be getting enough space. I mean, he, he doesn't need much space sometimes, but... Every time it seems like a super difficult shot yeah. when he's trying. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Virtus. I just feel depressed talking about him. <laughs> Honestly, the most depressing team in the Euroleague so, so far. far. Yes, It's going to be hard for Sergio Scariolo. Even know, though like Bayern, they haven't won a single game, but you're watching they, Bayern and you're at least feeling that they're improving. They're getting better. Like They were really close to beating Milan. Uh, they were competitive in, in their other games. It's Cassius just Winston is slowly, slowly yes, getting... Yes, you know how it goes with Trinkieri and, and the newcomers. It takes some time, but I believe in Bayern Munich that they will be much better than they are right now. You believe more in them than you believe in, in Virtus? At the moment, yes, because Virtus, I'm not sure, maybe they need a roster change, maybe Sergio Scariolo needs to change something in, in the playbook, or they're waiting for Schengelia to come back and try to use him as the low post presence. He was used a lot last year. So that's probably the idea. I don't know when he's mm -hmm. coming back, like December, probably. So yeah, but at the moment, they're the most depressing team in, in, in the EuroLeague. And the most fun team? Alba Berlin. Alba Berlin, man, for sure. <laughs> There's no question about it. Look, uh, I already have two players in my favorite players to watch this year Euroleague list. So first one is Janulis Larenzakis. So I have my guard spot covered. And the other guy is uh, Chris Kumaji. Oh, yeah. oh man. I mean, I have him in six blocks. I mean, have, I have him in, in my fantasy team and just uh, everybody should have him by now. <laughs> I, I want to see his usage percentage uh, for the next yeah. game. But the uh, shout out to uh, Albus Berlin development team. That guy didn't look like an, a EuroLeague player nope. just a year ago. Once they brought him, it looked like he doesn't belong here. I remember watching some games in the first, first uh, minutes of him, of, of his action last year, and I was just, uh, I mean, why is he on the court, you know? And now you are playing against defending champions on the road, and he is being one of the most impactful players on the court, not missing a field goal, having six blocks, you know, He's um, he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch, but there's a lot of good things, you know. Tamir Blatt, about for example. Alba, Tamir, Tamir Blatt. Dude, they played uh, last week without Modolo, without exactly. Jalen Smith, 
and without Johannes Simon. And Donat Marcus Eriksson is also out. still Donatas, injured. Donatas sent me during the game, and Donatas was like uh, sending this screenshot of all of four of them yeah. sitting on the bench and saying, how are they winning this game, you know? <laughs> Man, they just have players flying on the court, like Jovel Zussman, for example. Luke Sigma and his crazy passing abilities. Like, everything is in such a good flow, and the chemistry is so great mm. in the team. There's a lot of positive vibes about them, and you just love watching them. We do realize they're going to drop in the standings. We do realize they're going to start losing games eventually. But it's just they bring something different to the EuroLeague. Like Such even Vasamich said after after they they, they won against Alba in a tough battle, Vasa said that having Alba for the EuroLeague is a great thing because we have a team that plays beautiful yeah. basketball and is very good at developing young talent. So I agree 100% with what, what Vasa had to say. They're, they're number one in, in, uh, in pace. You know, they have yeah. the most possessions. They're just flying around the court. The first pass is always very quick for them. And and it's always, you know, wh whoever gets the rebound uh, always immediately pushes the, the court because they have such a such forwards that can uh, dribble the ball. And, you know, mm -hmm. Luke Sigma is usually the one getting the rebound as well. And just uh, one interesting stat I found out and why they're so efficient on offense is uh, the four play types with how they finish the offense is transition, Catch and shoot, cuts, and screen off plays. So these four are like the most. Sounds like the Warriors. Sounds mm -hmm. like <laughs> you, you, you could, you know, from the play types, you you know, you could make this comparison. But these four are the most, you know, efficient yeah. uh, in general. The most efficient uh, shots that you can create because you know cuts, you get probably easy layups. Transition, you get open shots. Catch and shoots, you want as much of those uh, if you and can you have get. Very unselfish players. In every exactly. position, everybody is unselfish. I think they're, uh, yeah, assist number one and assist percentage is also number one through four games. Nice. And just everyone feels free to shoot uh, at the first possible. Yeah, like they're just enjoying position. life. They have the green light all the time, and the coach is very positive. Mm. This is your favorite Thunderstruck story so far, right? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, after the double week, I have to give a huge shout out to Zalgiris. Like they grinded those two wins mm. at home, and the way they grinded those wins, especially against Barcelona, it kind of, kind of reminded me like a mix of last season's Vesda and of Trinquieri's mm -hmm. Bayern. Something like they have to suffer in some moments. Like the lineups they play in the fourth quarter offensively they don't look good they just survive from some random shots but they are always hanging in there they're always battling they're getting the the offensive rebounds being super aggressive uh they build this fighting spirit in the team like they, they're not the most talented team and probably not the most exciting team to watch but they're just grinding and uh even when they lost against Maccabi and Olympiacos they were close and now at home, they, they won these two games against Virtus and Barcelona. These were one possession games that like they easily could be 0-4 right now, but I would be speaking more or less the same things because you yeah. see a whole different uh, Jalgiris mentality and character right now. In the long run, I'm, I, I think they will sometimes get into bumps where, where they just don't have enough quality to decide some games. Mm -hmm. But so far, they're like compensating for the lack of talent especially in the second unit with the big heart and passion for for, for basketball and it, obviously it helps when you have a sold out crowd in in Jargiris arena it seems like the excitement is back you know after that terrible season last year 
And uh, for me, if Alba is fun to watch for their offense, Jalgiris is fun to watch because of their defense. Mm. And with that defense, you know, it seems like they're going into each game and they have a chance. Because last year, you know... Uh, Even when they're down by 8 or 10, like last mm -hmm. season, you knew the game was dead by the time they're down by 10. Right now, you, you feel that they will find a way. They will hang in there. They're, they a, very uncomfortable, they're a very uncomfortable opponent. To play, for sure. Yes. Yeah, you cannot not love all these Arnas, but captures Dennis Rodman type of dives <laughs> out of Wow, bounds. man. That's that's something wow. crazy. Uh, talking about the chemistry, I mean, Keenan Evans makes three mistakes in the span of 70 seconds. He gets benched, but then coaches coming at him, kind of supporting, you know, tapping his back. Mantas Carnietis mm -hmm. quickly approaches him, says, hey, just calm down. You're going to uh, come back when it's going to be uh, important with like two minutes uh, to play. He comes back. He makes one of the clutch uh, layups against Virtus uh, Bologna. Everybody's saying in the locker room to him that, hey, you're going to be our alpha guy. We we have all the trust in you. Just be more aggressive. Just be more selfish, mm -hmm. selfish and we're behind. You have this leadership of Edgar Solanovas. I mean, you listen to his uh, halftime interview, post-game interview. Very honest. Very he, honest, by the way. He's the new captain of... Exactly. There's a lot of honesty, a lot of heart in his words and in his action because he really embraced this new captain role a lot. He's the new captain after mm. uh, Paulus uh, Yankunas. And he was doing a lot of uh, different things to gather the group uh, together. He always tries to do some pre-game speeches to get the guys prepared, especially uh, the yearly, or let's say newcomers uh, of, of Jalgiris. And it feels like that this uh, new duty, at least the teammates say that it kind of added him more responsibility, but at the same time, more confidence as mm. if it was some very important thing uh, being, you know, all time, uh, long time Jalgiris uh, player. So yeah. a lot of things to like about this and team. I also want to, Give a quick mention to Basconia. Sure. Uh, That's my pick for it, It's a shame story. that Marcus Howard, the new Shane Larkin, got hurt in the last game. But is there are there any news about uh, the first update? Is that it's not serious, but the clear timeline. It, it, it's not well, clear about the timeline. But they signed Pierre Henry to have a an, a, a new point guard, a true point Just, guard. Let's say I, I would say it's like Basconia made a fake, the biggest fake so far of the season. You know, with the. With the signings they made before and we were saying okay we don't know how are all these guys are going to get fit in and not only marcus howard is playing lights out from the second game of the season mm. but they are bringing in pierre henry all of a sudden mm. who was supposed to be playing probably exactly. in the g league and coach Peneroy is doing a good job so far basconia during the history of, of euroleague was also always known for fast-paced basketball and they're trying to play that that way uh, and they have some rules, defensive rules, let's say. And so far, they've they've won against great teams, like uh, against Madrid this weekend. In EuroLeague, they have three wins. They could have beaten Olympiacos. They were very, very close, actually. So you have to give a lot of respect to the coach because the team is brand new. They replaced most of, most of their key players. Uh, the coach had to create a new system and, and to bring these EuroLeague rookies into it. And so far, it's everything's clicking for them, and they're again another fun team to watch. I would say. I want to see how they will deal with the uh, when their schedule gets a little bit more tougher. You know, they yeah, played yeah. Uh, three games at home and the away game against Valencia. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting, and also, you know, we don't know when Marcus Howard is coming back. But He's I like what I saw piece. in the game against Olympiacos. Oh, actually. Yeah. And right now for they're sure. they're facing Maccabi, they're facing Panathinaikos. These are winnable games, I would say. And as well in, in this week uh, away from home. 
So you can easily see them picking up at least two wins from three in this stretch. For me, Basconi is like higher level and and the team playing uh, higher level Alba Berlin playing under more pressure because mm. they're also known for very good development of the players. I mean, we were questioning some of these moves. I mean, roster wise, we thought that they might lack of talent, but they have a great GM, Alfredo Salazar, who's signing all these uh, newcomers, basically, in Vitoria for so many years. And he found some great gems uh, for the EuroLeague, EuroLeague basketball who are now, uh, as, for example, Shane Larkin or uh, Mike James. Uh, and also they signed, a, signed the right coach, I think. They signed a, a coach that is already proven in Spanish basketball. And he's different, man. When Dusko Ivanovic, Vladimir Perasovic, or Neven Spagia was, yeah. he he puts less pressure on his team. He gives more confidence to his players, and you can see it, you know, on your uh, on TV that this group is just enjoying being together. I don't and know a more exciting couple than Rokas Gedraitis and and Costello. I mean, watching them enjoying yeah. each other is, is something like watching. And since the most we are from the Baltics, we will always follow Basconia because they always uh, seem to have players from, from the all, all, all three yeah. Baltic countries. Highest, uh, <laughs> Malman is uh, before all the Lithuanian players. Davis Bertans made a name for himself. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they had one Estonian as well. Uh, Katsar before, is also uh, doing a great job right, right now. now. I think Christian, Christian Kangur, I think, played at least for, for a short period of time. Could be, could yeah, be. Yeah. But, I mean, Marcus Howard is the player that makes you smile. And this is, you know, only few players can make you smile as much as watching him play like he did, having two consecutive 30-plus yes. uh, point games. Then Darius Thompson, so such an unselfish point guard. I mean, there were a lot of questions uh, that he's lacking of being more vocal on the court to be a, mm, first of all, point guard in the, at the EuroLeague level and then primary uh, point guard for your team. So far, he was doing a great job and that's also he seems part to be, of Bosconian success. He seems to be always under control. Yeah. You know, one, and just calm, one of these players. And what I also see is that Dalton Holmes is improving his game. Yeah. yeah, he had good performances against Olympiacos and Real Madrid. So he again, scored like 26 points against Real Madrid. Something, something, like, something that. like that. So yeah. another new player that is improving game by game. So yeah. Yeah. So we already mentioned three very promising newcomers in the EuroLeague. So what a positive podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> for Panathinaikos fans. Though. Or hey, Virtus. We, we, we gave some hope. No, I, I didn't. So. Ritis <laughs> has no hope for uh, for that team. I, don't know, man. I, I mean, <laughs> I didn't. Hey, don't. I mean, just a reminder uh, for all these, you know, overreactions or underreactions, overrating, underrating things. Compared to the last season, after four rounds, we had Aswell being three victories in four games. FS were zero four. Two seasons ago, Jarget is 4-0, Real Madrid 1-3. So just just be patient. Just yeah. be patient. Let's yeah. not overreact after of four course. rounds. Of course. So yeah, uh, thanks a lot for watching us, listening to us. Just a quick reminder, uh, Q&A session uh, coming up on Wednesday. 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 Uh, you can win some great prizes like our bonus hoodie and the one-month BN Plus subscription. You can also join uh, Basket News Plus community by visiting basketnews.com slash plus. Thank, thanks for watching and see you soon.